Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54. Amen. Isaiah 54. Amen. There's a word from the Lord. Amen. I'm excited about what God is going to say. Amen. When you have it, would you stand to your feet? In honor of the reading of God's word, amen, all over the building. (coughs) Hallelujah. Amen. We, We don't stand for the preacher. We stand in honor of the reading of the scripture and who wrote it. Amen. If the president came in here, most of you don't like him and you'd have to stand. Amen. So when we read God's word, we honor him. Uh, by standing in his presence. Amen. I'm going to read two verses in your hearing. Uh, verses 16 and 17. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, Behold, I myself have created the smith who blows the coals of fire and brings out a weapon for its work. And I have created the destroyer to ruin. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me declares the Lord I'm going to read that again it says behold I myself have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and brings out a weapon for its work And I have created the waster or the destroyer to ruin. No weapon that is formed against you. Somebody say no weapon. weapon. That is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn. But this is the heritage. Somebody say heritage. Of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me declares the Lord. Somebody say amen. Amen. Uh, You can be seated. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject, hit me with your best shot. Hit me with your best shot. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hit me with your best shot. Uh, For the last several weeks, the United States has now joined with the rest of the world in attempting to navigate Uh, the outbreak and pandemic of this novel coronavirus, COVID-19. And in our nation's attempt to bring the spread of this virus under control, and with all of the recent restrictions on gatherings and regulations on social distancing and rumors of a nationwide shutdown, sending the stock market plummeting down with millions of jobs already estimated being lost, And with the threat of recession hanging over our heads, it seems as if the nation has slipped into a panic. People are going into grocery stores now with no concern for their neighbors and taking stuff off the shelves so that they can be prepared, even if it means that no one else is able to prepare. And many locally owned and small businesses are 
preparing to close their doors because of the restrictions and they fear in their hearts that if they lock their doors this time, they're never going to be able to open their doors again. And it seems that we as a nation were not prepared for this crisis. But more than that, I've seen the fear and the panic that has even gripped the people of God. Christians are giving in to fear in the midst of this coronavirus crisis and are allowing their fear of infection and their fear of economic recession to overwhelm their faith in the power and protection of our God. And this has nothing to do with whether or not you're still physically gathering for worship or whether you've chosen to go online until the crisis is over. But it has everything to do with the reality that the church, whether it is gathered together in worship, or scattered out doing life in the community, it should always be a voice of hope and healing in the midst of crisis. And we can't be who God has called us to be if we're overwhelmed with fear ourselves. And what's dawned on me during this crisis is the reason why many of us as believers are overwhelmed with fear is because we as pastors have not done a good job preparing you for the reality that no matter how much faith you have, no matter how faithfully you serve in church, no matter how generously you give and tithe, eventually trouble is coming. And I know we don't like to hear that, and many of us spend most of our lives in an attempt to protect ourselves from trouble. But the truth of our lives is that no matter how hard we try, no matter how much effort we expend, the harsh reality of our lives on this earth is that trouble is coming. And moreover, we do not have the ability to protect ourselves from it. It doesn't matter how safe we play it. It doesn't matter how many precautions we take against it. It doesn't even matter how much we rebuke the devil or how much we ask God to stop it. The truth is trouble is coming. And if we would be honest, we'd have to admit that this year has already been a trouble, troublesome year. And I'm not just talking about coronavirus because let's be honest, the coronavirus ain't the only thing in 2020 that's tried to kill you. Uh, stress has tried to kill you. Depression has tried to overwhelm you. Anxiety has tried to take over your mind. You, your money didn't start, just start getting tight because of the recession, uh, but things have been tight for you all year. Your marriage has been shaky. Your children haven't acted right as a single person. And you've been fighting loneliness, trying to stay holy and deal with a baby daddy who's ignorant or a baby mama who's emotionally unstable. All I'm trying to say is that 2020 is not even half over yet, and it's already been a year full of trouble. There have been struggles that we faced that we promised that we'd never have to face again, and then there have been problems that came up in our lives that we never dreamed we would have to deal with. We've had pain and obstacles and problems that have kept us up late at night and no matter how hard we've tried we found ourselves unable to escape the reality of trouble and what this season of trial has exposed it is had is it has exposed the fact that the church has not done the best job of preparing people to deal with the eventual reality of trouble and I know this is not a message that packs out churches this is not a message that makes your offerings go up and this is not a message that will oftentimes make people shout and run around the church but believe love the reality of our existence is that our lives are full of trouble but one thing I think that we forget in our mad dash to escape trouble is that even though Jesus loves us he never promised that our lives would be free from trouble as a matter of fact sometimes the fact that we serve Jesus will send trouble in our direction and I know you might not want to hear this but sometimes being chosen by God will get you into trouble I know that the TV preacher and the televangelist 
has told you that once you became a Christian, once you walked down the aisle and gave the preacher your hand and gave God your heart, that all of your troubles would be over and that everything would be all right. But the truth is that sometimes when you make a decision to follow Christ, it's almost as if everything begins to fight against you because the devil wants to do all he can to frustrate you into letting go of your confession of faith. That's why things are going crazy for you in your life right now. It's not because God is upset with you. It's not because God is trying to punish you, but the devil is trying to use trouble and fear and frustration to get you to let go of your confession of faith. But in spite of all of the trouble that we encounter, in spite of the pain that may come our way, in spite of all the hell that we have to handle and the despair that we have to deal with, the beauty of our lives is this, beloved. We serve a God who will not allow us to be consumed by our calamity. A God who will never allow our trouble to triumph over us. No matter how bad your situation is, no matter how hard your enemies are coming against you, no matter how high your bills are piling up, no matter how dark the future looks as we face this crisis called the coronavirus, the devil may have sent it into your life to destroy your faith, but the good news is no matter how hard your life is, no matter what comes your way, God has promised that he will protect you. And if God has promised that he will protect us, then our confession in the midst of the crisis should not be one of fear, but it should be one that tells the devil, hit me with your best shot. Because no matter what comes to attack me, I've placed my trust in God. And if I've placed my trust in God, then that means he's going to protect me even in the midst of a pandemic. And that's why I love this particular passage of scripture, because I believe that it declares God's heart to provide protection for his people, even in the midst of some difficult times. And when we look at Isaiah chapter 54, we see that Isaiah is prophesying to the children of Israel while they're in captivity in Babylon. Let me break this down for you. Isaiah uh, is so unique in its presentation that some people think that Isaiah had two different authors because Isaiah, like the Bible, has 66 chapters. And in chapters 1 through 41, Isaiah was so angry. But in chapters 42 through 66, he changes and begins to speak words of comfort to the people of God. He says in chapters 1 through 41, I'm mad at you. But in chapters 42 through 66, I'm coming to comfort you. And so when we get to chapter 54, Isaiah is telling the people of Israel while they're under the harsh whip of Babylonian captivity uh, that God is getting ready to comfort them and speak to them. And what blesses me about this word is God speaks to them, uh, Adrian, even while they're in the midst of trouble. They're, they're, they're not dealing with a coronavirus, but they're dealing with the crisis of Babylonian captivity and they're in trouble but even though they're in trouble God still decides to speak to them uh, and this teaches us that no matter how deep we are in our trouble God will always find a way to speak to you God help me it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter who you've done it with it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it when you're in trouble and God wants to get a word to you he won't let anything stop him from speaking to you he may not speak to you in a loud voice from heaven but if he has to use a parent or a friend or that co-worker you don't like or even send a crisis like the coronavirus like we're having now God will find a way to speak to you and in Isaiah chapter 54 God uses Isaiah to give the people of Israel a word of comfort not in the midst of a pandemic coronavirus but in the midst of slavery in Babylon and he tells them that even though they've sinned and forsaken God in the past God has chosen to forgive them and that he's getting ready to remove their shame God help me God tells his people 
people that in the past he had deserted them so that they could be punished for their wickedness but just like a good daddy won't leave his child in time out all day God says he's about to gather his people together and have compassion on them and deliver them from their crisis and God is doing this beloved hear me for no other reason than because he loves them they don't deserve to be delivered but he loves them they don't deserve to be rescued but he loves them they don't deserve to come out of what they're in but he loves them as a matter of fact in verse 10 the Lord says something amazing through the prophet God says in verse 10 for the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake but my loving kindness will not be removed from you and my covenant of peace will not be shaken God tells his people that the earth may be shaken and the mountains may give way and the hills may fall into the sea and the rivers might dry up but my love for you oh God will not be shaken and the reason I know why we're going to make it through this crisis is because God loves us God help me look at somebody now help me preach don't touch them unless you got faith that you won't get infected but look at them and tell them I'm going to make it God help me uh, not because I deserve to make it uh, but I'm going to make it because he loves me God help me I wish y'all felt like having church with me I I'm going to make it because he loves me I don't deserve to make it I ain't lived right enough to make it I ain't holy enough to make it I ain't fasted long enough to make it I ain't prayed hard enough to make it I ain't tired long enough to make it I ain't came to church regularly enough to make it I ain't stayed celibate long enough faithful long enough holy long enough to make it but he's going to bring me out not because I deserve to come out but because he loves me is there anybody here God I feel it now Mike that can say I'm going to make it through this crisis I, I might get a little cough and a cold and a sneeze and a fever but I'm going to make it because he loves me and ain't no mountain high enough ain't no valley low enough ain't no river wide enough to separate me from the love of God he loves you oh yes he does and that's why you're going to make it God tells the people of Israel and he's telling us in the midst of this crisis I'm almost finished that if we're going to make it we're going to make it because he loves us we're going to make it through this pandemic we're going to make it through the economic fallout churches are going to make it marriages are going to make it businesses are going to make it because he loves us now does this mean that life is going to go back to normal no for some people work and ministry and money and marriage and life will never be the same but the promise of God is not that your life will not change but that your life will not be destroyed God help me let me say that again God didn't promise you that your life wouldn't change he just promised you that your life would not be destroyed and if you got life when you come out of the crisis you got all you need to start all over again even if you got to start all over again again this ain't gonna be your first restart you've been good at it before you've had to start all over this ain't the first time you've lost a relationship this ain't the first time you've lost a job this ain't the first time you've been left this ain't the first time you've been talked about but God says that if you got your life you got enough to start all over again oh God and God says that even if your life has to change and you have to adjust to a new normal I will sustain and provide for you in the next season just like I did in the last season as a matter of fact that's why your confession in the midst of the crisis should not be one of fear 
but it should be one of faith that tells the devil come on devil hit me with your best shot because I've got a promise from the Lord that he's going to cover me in the midst of the crisis and I know it's easy to be overwhelmed with worry beloved I fight the same thing myself I know that it's hard to fight frustration and depression and anxiety I have to fight it myself I know that it's hard to have courage when you don't know if you're going to have a job next week or when you got to choose between going to work and watching your children because schools are closed and child care is too expensive but God wants you to know that no matter how painful your present predicament might be God will protect his people and I know that this season is stressful and that some days you feel like you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel but in spite of all of that God is calling you and calling me to trust that he will cover us in this crisis if we hold on to our faith but faith beloved is strengthened by understanding as a matter of fact the bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God so if we're going to hold on to our faith in the midst of this attack then we've got to understand some things about the attack and in verses 16 and 17 of Isaiah chapter 54 I believe that God through the prophet gives us a word to strengthen our faith in the crisis do you still got your Bible open are your app still unlocked look at verse 16 and 17 with me he says behold I myself have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and brings out a weapon for its work. And I have created the destroyer to ruin. So no weapon that is formed against you will be able to prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. And so God is telling us there are some things that you need to know about the attack that's coming against you beloved uh, first thing you need to know about the attack if you're taking notes is number one attacks in life can't be avoided God help me attacks in life cannot be avoided but even though attacks in life can't be avoided God will use the attack what does he use the attack for Pastor Josh number one he uses the attack for my inspection somebody say inspection yeah say it again say inspection yeah, God uses the attack to notify me that there were some things in my life that are not right. And sometimes God exposes things in us uh, that he uses the storm rather to expose things in us that would not have been exposed had it not been for the storm that God allowed. This is why our response as believers to the attack has to be different. Because while the world is tripping because it seems like the attack is taking something from us, believers need to have joy because in actuality the storm isn't taking something us from us is teaching something to us God help me that we wouldn't have learned had it not been for the attack that's why you're able to thank God for what you go through because what you go through God uses it to be a university that you grow through God help me God will take the adversity that you go through and transform it to a university that you can go through is there anybody here who can say I might not have graduated magna cum laude from a school uh, but I graduated from the school of hard knocks. I, I've been through hell and high water. I, I got bumps and bruises. I, I got stuff in my life uh, that God used to hurt me, but it helped me in the end. So he'll use it 
for my inspection, but not only that, he'll use the attack for my correction. God help me. Uh, sometimes God uses the attack to expose our deficiencies, uh, but God never exposes us just for the sake of exposing us. Whenever God exposes us, he always does it so that he can fix the areas that he's exposed. And the wonderful thing about God is God uses the attack to correct you and make you stronger than you were before you went into the attack. And that's the encouragement for this season. It's actually the same encouragement that Paul gives the Roman church in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 when he says, and we know that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Uh, now we have problem with that because we feel like something has to feel good to be working for our good. We want situations to feel good in order for us to believe that they're working for our good. But the testimony of the believer is more often this. It doesn't feel good while it's working. But even though it doesn't feel good while it's working, it's still working for you good. God help me encourage somebody and say, I know it doesn't feel good while it's working. Oh, look at them say I know it doesn't feel good while it's working uh, uh, dealing uh, with crazy folk on your job doesn't feel good while it's working dealing with money problems doesn't feel good while it's working choosing between whether you're gonna put gas in your car and get your kids something to eat don't feel good while it's working but I promise you that when you look back over your life you'll see that it was working for your good yeah, God, uh, God says attacks in life can't be avoided, number one. Uh, but number two, God has authority over what's attacking you. Yeah, God has authority over what's attacking you. Look what he says. He says, look, behold, I myself, verse 16, have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and brings out a weapon for its work and... I have created the destroyer to ruin. The King James says, I've created the waster to destroy. God, help me. Uh, he's saying, look, uh, I'm not taking credit for the attack against you. Because if you read the Bible, verse 15 says explicitly, if anyone comes against you, it's not because of me. Yeah, he says, I'm not sending the attack. But what he's saying is, I am claiming creative authority over the thing that's attacking you. Meaning that anything that's coming against you is in the earth because God put it there or somebody that God put there put it there. God's saying I created it. Why is it important then that we know that God created what's attacking me? Uh, it's important because we have to understand that if God created it, then God can control it. God help me. Oh Lord. God might not be controlling it right now, but God says that if I made it at any point in time, I can override its free will to do what it wants to and I can cause it to work in my favor and for your good. God wants you to know that the thing that's attacking you that's trying to get authority over you God has already taken authority over it. That thing that's trying to take over your mind, God is already ruling it. The thing that's trying to overwhelm you in fear, God says I've already controlled it. God says there are situations in your life that seem like they are out of your control. If you look at your investment portfolio, if you're watching the market, things are spiraling 
spiraling out of control. Your 401k is going crazy. Your job stocks are going crazy. They're driving down interest rates and they're printing money that the currency value of the United States doesn't have the capacity to uphold, which means that when we come out of this crisis, inflation means what, what, what once cost 99 cents is going to cost 2.99. What used to cost a dollar and 99 cents is going to cost 6.99. And I know that the economy seems as if it's spinning out of control, but God says even though it's out of your control, out of Donald Trump's control, out of Steve Mnuchin's control, out of the Federal Reserve's control, it's never out of my control. As a matter of fact, black folk, you better realize that this ain't the first time we've been broke. This ain't the first time we've been sick. We ain't never been able to afford to go to the doctor. What black man you know running to the doctor every time he gets sick? It ain't because we don't want to go. It's because we don't want to pay that bill. We ain't never been able to afford health care. We ain't never been able to be rich without struggling some kind of way. You can be a black man driving a Bentley to your own house and your own address in Boston, Massachusetts as a professor at Harvard and get arrested for trying to go into your own house. We ain't never had it easy. But God says, just like I've been in control all of your life, I'm still in control. God, help me now. I feel like preaching. Look at somebody and say, God is in control. Yeah, I know it doesn't feel like it, but God is in control. I know it doesn't look like it, but God is in control. You might lose control and cuss somebody out. You might lose control and lose your temper. You might lose control and snap at your children. But even when you lose control, celebrate the fact that God is in control. Attacks in life can't be avoided. God has authority over what's attacking you. Number three, God wants you to know that he's promised his protection from the attack. Yeah. Uh, verse 17, which is the verse we, we shout about. Uh, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. <sighs> yeah. This is a promise of protection from the attack itself. Right. And I try my best to study hard and to extrapolate things from the text that you might not have heard before. And so, Pam, while I'm while I'm looking uh, at the text, I'm trying to find some uh, unique. And so I'm like, let me look at this word, no weapon, because maybe there's something in this Hebrew phrase, no weapon, because, uh, uh, you know, I need something unique for y'all to shout about. But God didn't give me nothing unique. Uh, no weapon. In the Hebrew, means no weapon. Yeah. It, it, it means no weapon. Absolutely no weapon. No weapon don't mean just the weapons you can see, just the weapons you can pray for, just the weapons you can pray against, just the weapons you can prepare yourself for. Uh, oh, no weapon means no weapon, which means that God is protecting you from the weapons you can see and he's protecting you from viruses, uh, microscopic organisms in the air that you can't see. Uh, God is protecting you from dangers that you know are coming, but then God is protecting you from stuff uh, that you didn't know was coming. Oh God, uh, no weapon, God help me. So then marital difficulties, no weapon. Uh, mental illness, no weapon. 
woman. Depression and anxiety, no weapon. Your money is funny, no weapon. Your baby daddy tripping, no weapon. Your baby mama crazy, no weapon. No weapon formed against you shall ever be able to prosper. God says no matter what you've got coming against you, it's not going to work because I've got a word over your life that says no weapon. So when you go to work tomorrow, if you got to go to work and you're disinfecting your cubicle, when you're wiping it down with your Lysol wipe, just say no weapon. Uh, when you're praying for your kids before you send them somewhere uh, to daycare tomorrow, just pray over them and you might not know what to pray, but just lay your hands on them and say no weapon. God help me. Uh, when you're praying for your elderly parents that are at risk for infection from this disease, you ain't got to pray deep and long prayers. Just pray for them. Look at your picture of your mom and dad and say no weapon. Look at your sisters and brothers that need to be covered and say no weapon. Look at your bank account balance. Pull it up on your phone right now and say no weapon. Uh, look at your bills and your credit score and your student loans and your worries and your cares and everything that you're going through. Your family drama and everything that's trying to take over your mind. Your insecurities. Your doubts. Your low self-esteem. Look at everything in your life and say no weapon. I wish I could stop there, but I wouldn't do due diligence to the text, Cedric, if I stopped there. Because he doesn't just say no weapon. He says no weapon formed shall prosper. Now, here's what you have to understand about the linguistics of the Hebrew Masoretic text. If they say shall prosper, that means that there is implied that there is going to be an attempt to use the weapon. Yeah. It is, it, is, it is assumed, it is assumed by the prophet saying, shall prosper. That there is going to be an attempt for the weapon to be used against you. And so I'm tripping about that. So I'm praying. I, 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 me and God talk because we tight like that. So uh, when something happens in the text, Kobe, that I don't understand, I got to ask him. I say, uh, uh, Daddy, can you explain to me uh, uh, why... Uh, if you got the power to stop the weapon from even coming against me, why would you allow a weapon to come against me if you've already said it wasn't going to work in the first place? It would seem to me, uh, logically, that you would just stop the attack from coming. But God says, I'm using the attack to show you something. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm using the attack to demonstrate something. I, I'm using the attack, number one, because I've got to demonstrate to your attacker how powerless he is. God help me. Uh, God says I've got to allow the attack to come, the attack to come, because I want the person who is attacking you to realize how much power they don't have. God help me. Uh, God says, but not only that, I'm allowing the attack to come because I need a platform whereby I can show off my saving strength and delivering power. God help me. God says, I'm allowing these people to come against you uh, because I want to step in and show off how strong your God is. Now, if I never allowed you to be attacked, if I never allowed you to come into danger, if I never allowed anybody to do anything mean, or negative to you then you wouldn't understand that I'm able to save you and that I'm bigger than the attack against you but God says I'm allowing you to be attacked so that you can look back at the attack and say my God look how strong my God is 
The reason why you know he's a provider is because you got to a place where your money ran out. The reason why you know he's a heart fixer is because your heart got broken in the first place. The reason why you know he's a mind regulator is because stuff was messing with your mind, threatening to drive you crazy. But God allowed the attack to come, but he didn't let the attack take you out because he wants you to see how big of a God he is. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So I got some bad news and I got some good news. Let me give you the bad news first. That weapon is going to be formed. It's going to be created. People are going to conspire against you in the flesh and demonic entities are going to conspire against you in the spirit. The weapon is going to be formed. They're going to attack you with the weapon. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. If you belong to Jesus Christ, no weapon formed against you is going to be able to prosper. It's coming, but it won't work. So stop tripping when you see it's coming. You know it's supposed to come. Stop getting crazy and anxious over stuff when you see it's coming because you know it's supposed to come. But God said even though it's coming, it's not going to work. It's not going to take me out. This will not be the end of me. Sooner or later, God's going to turn this thing around. Uh, he says, this is a promise, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. This is a promise for protection against the attack itself. But then the second part of the verse, it's broken into three, three parts. Um, the second part of the verse is a protection against the judgment of people who criticize you while you're trying to handle the attack. Yeah. Because he says, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. Yeah. Because there are people watching you and watching how you're handling this crisis, and they're watching how you're navigating this storm, and they're watching uh, how you try to take care of your babies and uh, take care of your responsibilities and do what you got to do and manage your money, and they're criticizing you. There's one side that says, oh, yeah, they didn't go to church. They ain't got no faith. Uh, then there's one side that says they go into church and they infecting people. They ain't got no faith. And there are people criticizing how you're navigating this storm, but it's easy to criticize people when you're not in the driver's seat. Yeah, it's, it's easy to see obstructions when you're not behind the steering wheel wheel of life when you're just a passenger in the car and you ain't got the pressure of making the right turn the pressure of making the wrong turn the pressure of making sure that you get people to their respective destinations and people are going to judge how you handle this crisis because you you're crazy enough to still come to church and even though we spread out enough chairs for y'all to socially distance y'all still sitting like y'all normally in church and people are going to look at you crazy and say aren't you scared you're going to get infected aren't aren't you scared that ain't nobody uh, uh that 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 somebody going to cough on you, that somebody going to sneeze on you. Ain't, you. ain't you afraid that this coronavirus is going to take you out? And they're judging you by how you're handling yourself in the midst of the storm. But God says, I'm going to make everybody that judged how you handled yourself during this season, I'm going to prove them to be a liar. Notice now, God doesn't say, I will condemn them. He says, you will condemn. Woo. That's deep. But, but can I show you how God allows you to condemn those who criticized you? Um, the way you condemn those who criticize you in God, right? The way that you do that in God is not by getting on Facebook and making a status about them. 
It's not by subliminally tweeting about them or posting some kind of meme about them or even uh, running up on them when they finally see you in the street. That, that, that's not how God uh, wants you to condemn your criticizers. Uh, the way uh, that you condemn your criticizers is by living on even in the midst of a situation that should have killed you. God help me. Uh, the way that God allows you to condemn those who criticize you uh, is by allowing you to live on even through a situation that should have killed you. And God wants somebody to know uh, that that's going to be how people know that the hand of God was on your life when this thing is over. Because you're going to survive when everybody else around you didn't survive. God is going to allow you to eat in the presence of your enemies. David says, you prepareth a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Not so that I can gloat. Uh, the gloating is done by the fact that I'm eating and they watching me eat. Uh, that I'm full and they hungry. That I'm blessed and they broke. That I got my right mind and they lost theirs. That I got my job back and they can't find a job. Uh, that's how God can condemns your criticizers. By allowing you to live the blessed life while everybody else around you is falling down. That's why the prophet said, or uh, the psalmist said rather a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand but it's not coming over here as a matter of fact I dare you to look at the devil look down at the devil say it ain't coming over here I know it's coming around me my next door neighbor lost their job but it's not coming over here my next door neighbor's marriage fell apart but it's not coming over here my cousin them lost their mind and I got people I know who committed suicide but I'm gonna hold on to my life it's not coming over here I shall live and not die Okay, I got to quit. Uh, um, so attacks in life, number one, attacks in life can't be avoided, but God will use the attack. He'll use it for your inspection uh, to show you some things in your life that need to be fixed, and then he'll use it for your correction to make you better than you were before you went into the attack. And then you have to understand God has authority over what's attacking you. He's, he says, I've got authority over it. He created it. And if he created it, he can control it. Then God says, I'm promising my protection from the attack. No weapon. Uh, that means no weapon formed against you will ever be able to prosper. Uh, and then I'm saying that everybody that talked about you, everybody that maligned you, everybody that criticized you in this season for how you handled the attack, for when you had moments of weakness when you lost your faith for a second uh, God says I'm going to condemn those people uh, but then he also said or I'm gonna allow you to condemn those people but then fourthly uh, the last thing we need to know about this attack is that even in the even in the midst of the attack God has a holy history of helping his people in hard times uh, look at this uh, he says this is the heritage this is the heritage. This is the heritage. But it's not everybody's heritage. It's the heritage of the servants of the Lord. <laughs> Meaning that if you belong to God, <laughs> you got a history of God showing up to help you in hard times. Holy Ghost, help me preach this. Okay, so uh, uh, there is an African principle called Sankofa. Uh, um, and it is derived from the Sankofa bird who flies and looks backwards while he is flying forward. The principle that this bird taught 
uh, African philosophers is that it is impossible for you to move forward properly without an understanding of where you've been. They say in order for you to fly forward, you must at certain times look backwards uh, because there are things in your history that can help you understand your present. We understand that as people, right? Uh, that's why anytime you're dating somebody, it's always useful for you to meet their family so that you can understand where the crazy in them comes from. So that you can understand that the craziness in them didn't start with them, that it came from somebody who raised them. That means it's going to take more than a week, even though you found out about it in a week, it's going to take more than a week to get off of them. Because you found out about it in a week, but it's been breeding for 30 years. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Sankofa. You got you to gotta look back before you fly forward. Right. So so th this principle then of Sankofa is not just an African principle, but is applicable to the text because God says through the prophet Isaiah that this helping power of God, this ability to get the saints of God out of trouble is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, meaning that God has history of showing up and getting his people out of trouble. Mm. OK, what does that have to do with us? and the coronavirus right now. God says, uh, I want you to trust me to sustain you even though you can't see how I'm going to sustain you. Uh, uh, the prognosis of the pandemic changes day to day, week to week, uh, what Donald Trump said is finna get, when it first came out, Donald Trump said it's going to get hot and the virus just going to burn up and it's going to disappear. No need to worry. Uh, then a couple weeks from that, he was like, um, people need to stop eating Chinese food because it's a Chinese virus. Uh, uh, then, then, then he closed the borders, uh, said you can't go to China, you can't go to Europe, uh, and that's going to make us okay. Uh, then they said, uh, keep your gatherings small, under 250. Then they said 50. Then they said 10. Then they said, don't meet at all. Then Donald Trump gets on the phone with pastors and say, hey, I need your vote so y'all can have church if you want to. Uh, I didn't say that y'all couldn't meet. Every time you hear about it, it changes. And we cannot see our way forward. But as people of faith, God is calling us to believe that there's going to be a way out even when we can't see our way out. Okay. Um, my wife um, uh, does not shop as much as she has in times past, but she shop a lot. Um, and, I, and, I, and I love her uh, very much um, because I, I am the recipient of blessings because of this shopping spirit she has. That's why I haven't prayed for God to deliver her from it. Um, uh, because sometimes the spirit blesses me, you know. Um, but, but she shops a lot. And um, uh, when we first got here, um, when we first got here, uh, we were in a crazy situation. I, I'll tell you about it. I'm going to write a book about it. I told my daddy yesterday, I'm going to write a book. So y'all going to hear about how it happened. But we were crazy broke when we first got here. And uh, my wife leaves the house, goes to Target, and comes back with groceries. And I knew, Victoria, we ain't had no money. So I'm tripping. Because, you know, no money 
for family people don't mean no money. It just mean like you got like $50, $75 to last. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I know she ain't spent the last little bit of money we had <laughs> going to Target. <laughs> and so MJ, she gets in the house, and I'm about to do the mad husband thing, right? I'm like, huh. So I guess you want me to help you with them groceries, huh? Yeah, honey, help me with the groceries. So you're just going to spend up the last little bit of money we have getting fruit snacks and yogurt and stuff. She's like, oh, I didn't spend no money on this. And so now I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, we, we in trouble. Lord Jesus, this is fire. Uh, uh, JSO is coming. My wife then stole these groceries. Target got good cameras because it's where the white folks shop. Matter of fact, you can slide your card at Target, and they will film you sliding your card saying, this is being recorded while you're spending money. So I don't know where it's coming from. I say, well, if you didn't spend no money and you got all this stuff, how you get it? She said, Target gave it to me on credit. Uh, okay, you missed it. Uh -huh. My wife had a Target credit account, which means that based on her credit history, they were willing to extend her good faith to take the groceries home and pay for it later, even though she hadn't given them any money yet. They trusted her because of her payment history in the past to provide her with what she needed right now to get what she needed for her family. God help me. And so when God says, I want you to trust me in the midst of a pandemic, essentially what God is saying to you is I want you to extend me faith uh, that by all looks I don't deserve based on what you see on the outside but even though I haven't given you a reason to trust me in the present I, I want you to look back over my credit history God help me I, I want you to see how many doors I've opened how, how many ways I've made how, how many tears I've dried up how, how many broken hearts I've mended how, how many times I've stepped in when I needed to step in how many times I've made ways when there was no way God says oh God that you got to run my credit now this is the problem that I have with Christians who don't have a good faculty with their Bible. Believers who say they trust God uh, but they don't know their Bible. People who say they love God and they have faith in him but they don't have their, they don't know their Bible. You can't have faith and not know your Bible because the Bible says faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you're in crisis like this you can't run God's credit report if you don't have access to his credit report. His credit report is not on Experian. His credit report report is not on Equifax. His credit report is not on TransUnion. God ain't got no FICO score, but Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that's his credit report. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, that's his credit report. 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, that's his credit report. Ruth, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, that's his credit report. If you know his credit report, then you'll be able to look back over his history and say, my God, he ain't did nothing for me today but he gave those children of Israel manna in the wilderness when they got tired of eating bread from heaven and they said we want some chicken he made quail rain down from the sky when they had shoes on that should have wore out he said I'm gonna give you shoes that won't wear out and clothes that won't wear out and and, and bread uh, from the sky and water from rocks you can run his credit report when the widow was hungry and thought she was gonna feed her baby and die you can see that God's credit is good because he made 
made sure that after she fed the prophet, after she brought God his first, uh, he made sure that the bread and the meal did not run out. God says when it's time to trust me, look back over my history. And I know that this crisis might be new to us. We might not be able to see how God is going to do it, but faith should be able to rise up in us because even though trouble is new to us, trouble is nothing new to God. This pandemic is new to us, but it's not new to a holy God. God has been helping his people get out of trouble for a long time. And when the present crisis doesn't seem like it's giving you anything to praise God for, you better look back over your life and think things over and think about God's history and remember that if he did it before, God help me, I feel it here. He can do it again. If he saved me before, he can do it again. If he brought me out before, he can do it again. God help me. It ain't that many of us in here now. But just look at somebody. Help me have church and say if he did it before, God help me. Come on, David. He can do it again. Grab your neighbor by the hand. I told you we ain't touching nobody. But I lied to you. Contagions don't travel through handshakes. They got a cough on you. So grab your neighbor by the hand if you got faith and say neighbor if he did it before he can do it again Joe give me some more keyboard in these monitors I feel like having revival now say neighbor if he did it before he can do it again the same God that brought us through last time is the same God that will bring us through this time it is no secret what the Lord can do what is done for us he will he'll do the same for you is there anybody here I told y'all I missed y'all last week I ain't hooped in a long time we missed church last week and the week before that I was sick but I feel better now look at your neighbor and say neighbor there's hope in a bad situation because the God that we serve he will protect us I don't care what's coming against you the word of the Lord is no weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper is there anybody here who believes it today tell somebody say neighbor we're gonna make it neighbor we're gonna survive weeping may endure for a night but joy joy it comes in the morning is there anybody here I feel the Holy Ghost I said is there anybody here who believes who believes believe the word of the Lord no weapon no weapon formed against you shall be able be able to prosper I know you might think you don't have anything to praise him for but look back over your life think things over remember what is done think about it for just a moment if you thought about it can I ask you a question can I ask you a question don't fool me now but can I ask you a question here won't it provide for you won't he open doors for you 
Won't he make ways out of no way? Won't he be food on your table? Clothes on your back? A bridge over troubled waters? I know that's old school. Won't he be your antidepressant? Won't he be your food stamps? Won't he put gas in your car? Won't he help you when you can't help yourself? If you believe it today, if he's done it before, if you believe it today, I said if he's done it before, if you believe him today, because he's done it before, believe it now. Won't God make a way for you? If you believe it, say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, God, turn it around. Say yeah. I said, say yes. Say yeah. Yeah.